Hello and welcome to another episode in the You Are My Consider podcast and I'm your host Asif Chowdhury. Today my guest is Kim Sklinner who is communications manager and specialises in internal comms. Kim is an IOIC FutureNet committee member and also a UN volunteer. Thanks for joining me Kim and it's great to welcome you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So the reason that um, uh, I've asked Kim to uh, come on the podcast. She was actually down to do uh, a different episode, but Kim's uh, Kim is a British Ukrainian, and I saw uh, her blog shared on Comms 2.0. So a shout out to to Darren Caveney for doing that as well and putting that out there in the in the Comms community. And I thought, well, that's what community being the operative word here and Comms here is exactly that. And I wanted to give uh, Kim a, an additional platform to share her story of what's obviously going on and pretty much everybody knows what's going on. Um, uh, so, Kim, I know this is quite emotional for you, but just I wanted to kind of kick off with, you know, how are you connected uh, to Ukraine? It's a great kick-off question. So um, my my grandparents are from um, Ukraine and Belarus. So I'm a, not a first-generation Ukrainian. Um, just a bit of, I'll give you a bit of context to what's going on in the world right now. Um, my granddad fled Ukraine. Um, he couldn't stay there. He thought he was going to get killed by the, the Soviets, which is you know, the irony, really. Um, so he came to the UK as a refugee in 1947. His brother was sent to Siberia and um, yeah, stayed there for a very, very long time. So actually, I've actually got family in Russia as well. Um, my family settled in Huddersfield, West Yorkshire and um you know, had my dad and then obviously eventually I came along at some points um although I make my grandparents that are Ukrainian Ukrainian is my dad's first language he was brought up in a very close-knit Ukrainian community um it was essentially a family a home from home so he's, he didn't speak English till he went to school and I was also raised in this community my first language is English but um I very much consider other members of the community at Huddersfield Ukrainian Club. Um, so I mean, a friend, extended family. I've got about a thousand aunties. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So no, I appreciate that, and that that helps give the listeners some context as to why you know we've kind of done this special episode of the the Comsera podcast here. So there's obviously the crisis going on in Ukraine. So just tell us a little bit more about that from from your side, because it's not something that's just kind of appeared in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely not. It's um it's something's been bubbling for about eight years now, and I think I'm I'm naturally very close to it because I've, I've still got relatives in Ukraine. Um, and I'm very very aware this is happening, and it's not really been in the news that much in in the UK in the Western news. Occasionally it has, but normally when I want to find out what's going on, I'll go online. I'll read some Ukrainian um, news outlets instead. Um, it got worse about a month or two ago. So I um, I've been helping my community and volunteering with like you know, PR and comms and speaking to journalists, etc. For the extra support, using all the uh, all the comms skills I've honed over the years. Um, and it's, it's really come to a head. I think we're on what, day seven of the invasion now. And I know we're going to talk about terminology a bit later, but I keep reading about the war that's just started. It is not just yeah. started. Ukrainians have been living this for eight years in sort of the east side of the country and it has been you know, I visited Ukraine in that time and 
you don't really realise the war going on. But I went to visit my great uncle's grave and sort of, you know, only a few plots away, there were young, sort of, you know, I say young, I mean, my mum was 40, but there were men who were, you know, in early 20s who had been fighting on the Eastern Front and unfortunately not survived. And that really brings it to life that this is something that Ukraine has just been living with. And we just didn't yeah. really talk about it in our news. Yeah. And how's your, you know, what's happening in your community? You know, how 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 is the British Ukrainian community feeling? Um, gosh, feel it's it's been really hard to put into words. I think we've we're starting to be able to articulate it. It's starting off with a mixture of sadness, disappointment. I think it's gone from frustration and now it's just it's anger. It's we've we've warned that we speak to the British government about it we're connected to MPs and politicians in the community who um MP Jason McCartney for example he was at parliament yesterday and questioned Boris Johnson Liz Truss and Priti Patel about the visa situation um so we, we are sort of trying to be quite active we're speaking to the press etc but it's it's horrible because it's not just Ukrainians of my I, I very much consider myself British Ukrainian, but we also have members who are Ukrainian people who have, you know, come over recently. Um, my my Ukrainian teacher, so I'm learning Ukrainian language because when I was a kid, my parents thought, let's teach her French instead. That's going to be more useful. <laughs> um, I've been yeah. learning Ukrainian for the past few years. Um, I can speak a bit, but um, obviously I need to properly sit down and study it. My teacher, Lydia, um, her mum, um, she's, been trying, she's been trying to get her over here to the UK and she took her four days to come here on trains and stuff so we're obviously really connected to these personal stories that our friends are struggling yeah. to get their family over I've got friends in Kiev who have had to flee their their own you know, their property because um, they're living 10 miles away from airports being bombed and all kinds of horrible stuff so we're, we're worried and we, we feel quite powerless if, if we're honest with you we feel like you know, we can't go and give our relatives a hug we can't go over there um, yeah. So I guess what we can do is keep talking about it, keep the conversation going, keep speaking to politicians and you know, even doing things like this. This is my way of being able to keep the story being told and you know, help yeah. communicators keep telling the story. Yeah, and no, absolutely. You mentioned that you're using your uh, POM skills, which you've amassed over the years. What sort of things have you been doing and applying those skills to uh, to within the situation? So um, in January, I helped put a press release together for my Ukrainian community. We organised a rally um, in Leeds City Centre where we got about 100 Ukrainians from the Bradford community, um, Manchester, Stockport, um, Halifax. All these towns have been traditionally mining, not mining, sorry, I mean the word milling. Towns have lots yeah. of mills and things and quite manual labour jobs where a lot of Ukrainians came to settle. So we had a rally and did a lot of PR around that. We got the sort of journalists down. We um, did some other interviews and things. Um, what was interesting was the stories really changed since then. That was a threat of an invasion. Something's bubbling. Something's going to happen. Um, and there was a lot of comments on the on the news article saying things like, you know, oh yeah, whatever, go back home and all the usual, um, without realizing that we're, you know. I'm British and many of us are, um, but the narrative's now changed. It's, it's very much of support. And I think it's understanding and it's been more in the news. You know, why were you standing outside Leeds Town Hall holding a flag and a banner? Now people understand. Um, back to your, your original question, we've been uh, continually speaking to journalists. Um, various members of the community have been on like, you know, 
Capital Radio, Global Radio, Heart, BBC, um, local papers, other bits and pieces, just trying to tell the story, trying to make people realise how serious the situation it is, how yeah. desperate a situation it is. It's, um, we're trying to not get too political, but it, it's, it's just a dire, dire situation that should not be happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that that's why we want to continue to support you and raise that awareness with with this um, episode of the podcast. So you in your blog, you gave some kind of key information for uh, for, for everyone, really, in terms of just helping them understand the uh, situation and just some of the things like the history and the geography and the language and pronunciation. Do you want to just share a few of those things with our listeners? Absolutely. Um, so I think one of the biggest things I would probably share is um, there's there's bits around language and about what you call the name of a place, um, which I'll talk about in a moment. But there's also terminology about how you describe the situation. So I keep seeing you know memes and Twitter and things like that saying, oh, my God, it's World War Three. And this is not the kind of thing we should be dramatising. It's happening to real people. I think today the stats were something like 860,000 people have fled Ukraine in seven days. That's almost a million people. And it's yeah. a country of 40 million. It's a, it's a massive country. It's almost 800 miles wide. It's, it's huge. It's the size of you know a good percentage of Europe. But I think saying things like World War Three. um, they're just it's just not appropriate it's just not the right time to be making jokes about it and because yeah. we obviously we don't want that to happen and I really don't think it will but let's just let's just educate ourselves on what's really really happening in the region um and following on from that um describing the actual thing that's going on is really important so we keep seeing things like the conflict between Russia and Ukraine or the Ukraine crisis or the Russia Ukraine crisis what we should be saying are things like the Russian invasion of Ukraine or the Ukraine invasion and the reason for this is that Ukraine is not it's had nothing to do they have no choice here when you say things like the conflict between Russia and Ukraine you're making it sound like Ukraine's complicit in this and they have a choice um all Ukraine is doing is defending its right to have borders and its, its sovereignty uh, it's being invaded by Russia and Russia is trying to stake a claim to its land so it's about a Russian invasion rather than something where there's actually an active um, two-sided situation going on um yeah. should I talk about do we talk about some of the other things like key? the language yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely I think that's important because these are these are names and um terms that people are seeing regularly on social feeds and news bulletins it's it's important that we can use this opportunity here to 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 pass on some of that education that you, you you've put down in your blog definitely great so another thing that I keep seeing and it's a very natural thing to say is the Ukraine now I was raised to say the Ukraine because when I was a child it was the Ukraine it was a re region of the Soviet Union and when you're referring to the so-and-so it's you're referring to an area of something else um we don't say that anymore because Ukraine is its own country you don't say um the Wales the France the the England etc um why should we be saying that about about another country um it generally refers to Soviet times which is why it's offensive because this is a Russian invasion and obviously Russia Soviet Union etc so when we refer if you're using a Soviet term you're kind of almost like illegitimizing Ukraine's right to have its own land yeah that makes sense yeah um 
And again, there's the whole, is it Kiev? Is it Kiev? Um, and again, I was raised to say Kiev. And in you know recent years, I've had to correct myself to say Kiev. Um, Kiev is a, um, a Russian way of saying it. It's the Russian alphabet and the Ukrainian alphabet. They're different languages. They've got different alphabets. They've got different vowels. So they might look like Cyrillic writing, but it's like French and Spanish and English. They've got different yeah letters and words and things so when you say um kiev that's a russian it's a russian vowel it's written differently and when you say kiev that's the ukrainian way of saying it so when we refer to kiev that's the ukrainian thing because it's a ukrainian city it's not a russian city or a soviet city so it's like me calling london londres why would i do that yeah we call it london so we you know exactly yeah, and you've got um, in that blog, you know, it, it's great. And we'll share the blog as well on the Comms Hero website and we'll have the links in the show notes as well because uh, it's important. There's a lot more information in there for people to um, to use. Now, when we spoke uh, previously, you mentioned that the blog and some of the terminology has been picked up by uh, other organisations. You know, what? which other organisations have do you know how using that which is great to see but it's important that we share that to show the level of organization and uh, that's that's kind of picking up the information that you shared and honestly when i wrote this i just thought you know if it helps one person just well, partly it makes me feel better that i'm telling people this is what you should be doing um i do that's where i want it to go but when i find out that in you know, various parts of the police the nhs fire services are using um, my content as their go-to guide to own like a style guide almost on how to speak about this. I just that's really humbling and it means that I've been able to do something and make a change somewhere. It's about representation. It's about using the right words to to legitimize things. Um, yeah. yeah. So what do we you know and um, we'll share as I say we'll share that blog and there's lots more information there but you've given us some insight into that. So uh, we're gonna help to try and educate people and they can share that internally with their organizations as an as an internal communicator yourself i'm sure you'll you'll appreciate those organizations doing that to help with that education process amongst colleagues but what can people actually i think there's, there's several things we can do we can look at educating ourselves so just reading information out there learning a bit about the history as well um some people have asked me to proofread a few of their bits which i've kind of done on the side just to help and um you know again i mean like i mentioned earlier in this recording about not saying things like the war use the use the terminology around war correctly but i think having an understanding on how we got to this point is interesting there's um a documentary um on netflix called winter on fire which i highly recommend everyone watches it's a different bit of history to this but i think it really helps you understand the ukrainian spirit um the real drive of people the amount of pride people have in the nation and that might help you understand why we, we we're here today as well um, and there's also some of the oppression that Ukrainians have, have consistently um, been under for, for years and years and years. We can, um, I'll talk about fundraising last. I think you can also look out for disinformation. There's a lot of untruths being shared 
um, a lot of things like you know, bloggers and influencers and God knows who else is getting on the bandwagon a little bit here. I've seen Pray for Ukraine and We Love Ukraine, all kinds of weird Facebook groups pop up just for this. So someone can feel like, hey, guess what? I've got 20 likes. But they're sharing the, some of the information is right, but a lot of it's incorrect. So I think be careful what you read. Read the right stuff. Um, and finally, yeah, fundraising. I've seen so many... Um, people wanting to donate my community is getting the Facebook pages inundated with um with messages people who want to send anything from Santa towels and nappies to teddy bears and it blankets to God, you know everything it's amazing um yeah. but <laughs> there's a lot of, we can't get into Ukraine there is there is there is an invasion going on and these the donations are usually organized by polish communities for the refuge for ukrainian refugees in poland and romania which is absolutely essential and really incredible but there's almost 40 million people still in ukraine who we can't get to that need you know food water um, my family village they're telling me that they want night they need night vision goggles they're telling me that you know little things like you know, just want some cigarettes the defenders who want we help we want things to help make camouflage nets all this kind of stuff so although i know it's nice to want to donate things um, and feel like that it's human nature to really just want to give someone something isn't it you can't give them a hug but you can give someone something it's like giving a gift and I think I know that's you know um, sending money to a just giving or a go for me. It can feel like the um, like sort of the equivalent of putting like a fiver or a tenner in a birthday card and just going you know I can't bother to buy you a present. Buy what you want, you know. I, it's easy done. I think putting money into a donation can feel like that. But right now, that is exactly what we need to be doing. If you want to donate or fundraise or anything like that, there are the Association of Ukrainians in Great Britain, which is um my community I'm, I'm part of that i'm a member they were founded in 1946 and they are found on my granddad's generations they've been around a long time and raising awareness of ukrainian people in the uk do the great job now obviously they've got a gofundme that um a week ago they'd raised thirty thousand pounds now it's well over a million and the wow. reason i'm recommending this as a place is because they've got warehouses already in ukraine they've got you know, khaki dnipro they've got poltava and a few others and what they're doing is they're obviously they're able to work with local charities and get things in through other supply routes that rather than someone drive someone random like you know uncle bob driving um a Ford transit over the border they've got a lot of connections who and they can buy things locally and supply from their warehouses so i think donating to charities like um organizations like that's helpful the red cross as well they're doing a lot of work um they've actually asked people to stop giving physical donations for the same reason um there's also an organization called save life ua so since 2014 they have been supporting ukrainian defenders they do anything for they work with veterans they um curb the flow of propaganda they supply equipment they re repair equipment as well so there's various um, ways that people can help if you want to send you money but i think there's other things you can do as well you can you know if you don't want to donate financially you can keep sharing keep talking about it keep this in the news you can completely fill in um petitions write to your mp there's so much that we can do to help and then um, yeah. keep this conversation going because the moment this goes out of the news people aren't going to care anymore it's just going to be a phase and you know, ukraine's just going to be left by itself and that's absolutely what we do not want yeah, and we'll share that. And like I say, all the um, we'll share your blog, which has got the links to a lot of those um, donation sites as well. So you know, it's been a 
highly emotional uh, podcast recording and I'm glad that we've been able to support what you're looking to do here and community is important so and, and Comsera is a is a community so you know just I wanted to ask you Kim why is Comsera important to you um uh, you know just just to tell share that with the public Absolutely. Great question. Um, I think it's that sense of community you mentioned. And I just I really like Homs Hero because it's a supportive, fun, helpful community. And the way it's grown, the way you've got you know, events and the podcast and all this kind of stuff, I think it's a great place for people to get resources, connect, find useful things, um, share resources, etc. And, and I think it's a really, really good a good thing to have it's a, such a good resource for the internal comms community and for just general comms people yeah no, thank you for sharing that and, and and kim it's been an insightful uh podcast for me and, and an emotional one and i'm sure the comms era listeners will uh, will listen avidly and offer their support as well and you know as i say we'll share all the links but uh, it, connection and community building is important to us so how can people connect with you what are your social handles where can they find you um, I'm Kimberly Marie Sklinner on LinkedIn, and I'm, obviously we'll you write that down in very short notes. So it's um, but it's S K L I N A R, nice Ukrainian surname with uh, not enough uh, vowels in it. Um, I am do something Kim, one word on Twitter as well. Excellent. Well, like I say, we'll share that uh, in the show notes. You'll uh, find this podcast on Spotify, Apple and on our website, comshero.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at comshero. Uh, please do leave a rating and review. And um, we hope we can continue to support the comms community. And for the first time in our comshero podcast uh, lifetime, we've um, uh, got a sponsor and that sponsor. So this episode is sponsored by Blink the world's first enterprise app designed exclusively for frontline workers. And for more details, visit the website joinblink.com. Kim, all that remains for me to say, thank you for sharing your story and uh, and being brave enough to, to do that in the first place. And we hope that people will listen and uh, act on the advice and support that you're offering here. Great. Thank you so much. Can I say one final thing? I'd just like to teach everyone a little bit of Ukrainian, if that's okay. You might have seen um, some Slava Ukraina on um, various hashtags and things. And that is uh, the Ukrainian national salute, but it's just a way of expressing our pride. So um, Slava Ukraina. Slava Ukraina. There we go. So thank you so much, Kim, and uh, uh, it's been a pleasure.